Hey, welcome to the Gospel Rant. I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard, the president of Gospel App Ministries, gospel-app.com. We're the creators of the online gospel experience, The Dance and The Forgiving Path. I would love to talk with you. We are currently going through the Sermon on the Mount, and hopefully you've been following along on this journey in Matthew uh, 3, 4, and 5. We began at Matthew's larger context for the Sermon on the Mount. We explained why we started at the baptism of Jesus, because we think Matthew was giving you some of the character background of Jesus uh, that we needed to understand what Jesus is saying in the actual Beatitudes. And that's where we are now in Matthew 5. And we're looking at the second Beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. So please help us get the word out about this podcast. How? Well, you can like it or share it or follow it wherever you get podcasts, make comments about it. We love to hear your thoughts. We want that dialogue, bill at gospel-app.com. We get it. We're cutting some new ground, and sometimes that's difficult in in passages like the Sermon on the Mount that are so familiar. Uh, But by the way, we think that this uh, twist that we're putting on the Sermon on the Mount are very biblical, and by the way, very relevant, particularly to Gen Y and Gen Z. I mean, it's speaking their language. Um, so get it out there and help us get the word out. If you do Facebook, share it there. If you do Instagram, share, Twitter, share. Look, you know what to do. And thanks ahead of time. Back to the Beatitudes. I want to share a great quote that I found by Dallas Willard. So here it is, quote, the poor in spirit are blessed as a result of the kingdom of God being available to them in their spiritual poverty. But today the words poor in spirit no longer convey the sense of spiritual words. Spiritual zeros also enjoy heaven's care. Standing around Jesus as he speaks are people with no spiritual qualifications or abilities at all. You would never call on them when spiritual work is to be done. There is nothing about them to suggest that the breath of God might move through their lives. They have no charisma, no religious glitter or clout. They don't know their Bible. They know not the law. As a later critic of Jesus's work said, they are mere lay people who at best can fill a pew or perhaps an offering plate. No one calls on them to lead a service or even to lead in prayer, and they might faint if anyone did. They are the first to tell you they really can't make heads or tails of religion. They walk by us in the hundreds or thousands every day. They would be the last to say they have any claim whatsoever on God. The pages of the Gospels are cluttered with such people. And yet, he touched me, the rule of heavens, comes down upon their lives through their contact with Jesus. And then they too are blessed, healed of body, mind, or spirit in the hand of God. Close quote. I love that. Uh, these people have no claim whatsoever on God, and God comes down and touches them. See, then Jesus, then the Sermon on the Mount. And this particular group that's dealt with in verse 4, it's it's the toughest group. It is, and no judgment. I get it. I've been there. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And in this podcast, we're going to be looking at the first half. Next podcast, we'll look at the four, they will be comforted. And by the way, this verse and the next, in my opinion, fit into the modern, very relevant category of social justice, okay? Blessed are the mourning ones. 
It's a present active participle of pentheo, implying that they're in a state of mourning. They're in a state of mourning. It defines them, their day, their lives, their personalities, their relationships. They are stuck in sadness, sorrow for some loss or some wounding. Uh, per one Bible commentary, they are experiencing sadness as a result of some condition or circumstance. Pentheo is used 10 times in the New Testament, 48 times and 44 verses in the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, for a variety of things. It describes Nehemiah's deep depression, his sadness, conviction over the broken state of Israel, and the sorrows that the exiles are experiencing, Nehemiah 1.4. It describes what the people feel under God's harsh judgment for sin, Revelation 18.8, Isaiah 21.4, and Jeremiah 23.10, the, the whole land, the earth mourns, it, it grieves, it cries out, it moans, and check out Hosea 4.3 as well. It speaks about the actual or ritualistic mourning at deaths and funerals in Genesis 37, 34. It's that feeling that you get when you've lost someone to death. Or prescribed preparation for festive days. They were days of penthine mourning before you partied, in the contrast. Jesus uses pentheo as the opposite emotion and actions as compared to the joy and happiness at a wedding feast. Check out Matthew 9, 15. So, uh, at the wedding feast, there's the there's this joy and happiness and and uh, new life and this sense of expectation and hope and pentheo is the opposite of that. It's a word that describes deep sorrow and conviction of individual corporate sins too. Deep repentance, godly sorrow. Check out First Corinthians five two, James four nine, Nehemiah eight nine. And relevant to this verse, it is what flees. When God's jubilee comes, isn't that fascinating? Check out Isaiah 35 and, and so forth. Uh, when God comes, there is joy and happiness and consolation and justice, and Penthine disappears. It dissolves. It, it uh, runs away. So it is the opposite of happiness, dancing, laughter, joy. It's the presence of sadness, grief, sorrow, lamenting, wailing, misery, heartache, depression, anguish. It is the right word to describe that person who has experienced that loss that is not restorable. Maybe it's a wound or a scar, but that scar is unhealable. Maybe you. Um, you're in mourning, maybe for a long time. You've been to counseling, to some degree helpful. You've tried denial, but that doesn't work. Because when you lay down at night in the darkness all by yourself, all you can remember is the loss or the hurt, the wound, the unfairness, the uh, injustice of it all, and 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 the confusion and depression. What do you do? And you sink into that depression. It just grabs you. It reaches up and drags you down into darkness. Honestly, there are no human muscle groups that you can use to just choose to stop pinthining. We've all been there. Uh, some are stuck there. And no judgment. To both groups, Jesus says something new has come, something very powerful. In him, there is an ultimate end to Penthine. How do some commentators see it here in the passage? Gundry says, quote, mourning refers to the abject condition of the persecuted disciples. Close quote. And I think that's narrow. I think that is true that, that persecuted disciples who lose well-being and health and uh, uh, friendship and favor, they, they can they can go into mourning. So, but I think that's way too narrow here. 
Um, Nolan says, quote, again, the state of exilic suffering of Israel is evoked. The, the time of painful loss will come to an end and the sense of loss will be transcended by the comfort of God. Again, I think that's true. Exiled Israel, exile under the oppression of Rome would experience penthine. But I, again, I think that's also too narrow. McKnight uh, kind of agrees with Nolan, referring to Isaiah 61. This text clearly suggests that the mourners are those who are grieved over both Israel's and their own exile, who are teamed with one another in grief and who long for Israel's return, for the temple to be restored, and for God's favor to return on Israel. Yeah, I think that would have, I think that's the right word for that expression of sadness and mourning and um, sense of being isolated and orphaned. All of those things, the loss of that experiential relationship with God. Yeah, I think Penthine's the right word, but I think it's broader when Jesus says it here on the hillside. So I think it includes all of that. But again, there's not just Jews there. It's not just Jews in exile. There are other people, non-Jews, the uncircumcised, who are feeling the same penthine for a lot of different reasons. Make sense? Um, so context, context, context. And McKnight generally sees only Jews on the side of the, the hillside. I think I'm being fair with, with Scott McKnight. So I like uh, the uh, Bible dictionary BDAG here. Penthuntes refers to those who are not mourning their own sins, but because of the power of the wicked who oppress the righteous. I like that. And I would add the wicked who mistreat, use, abuse, or rob the helpless, or the helpless stuck in an abusive society or culture. It's a sorrow that the oppressed feel. Uh, very, very relevant today. Think of think of that uh, young black man or woman who's who feels the oppression of racism in their day-to-day -day life and just the frustration and the sadness at the end of the day. Um, Penthine would be the one of the words to use. Uh, they are mourning injustice in our world. Think of Ukraine at this point in time when I'm putting this together. They are mourning the loss of their country, of their safety, family members, of, of their stuff, right? Uh, they're penthining. They wake up in sadness and anger and frustration and depression. Penthine. So this is extremely relevant. And I want to go back to Jesus's go-to passage for this vision, uh, his vision in Luke 4, right? 18 and 19. Isaiah 61 is the passage in the Old Testament. In the first three verses, pentheo and, and the Septuagint is used three times. And by the way, we also see the word that Jesus will use for comforted, parakaleo. So here's Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. And this is the, the passage that Jesus read from the scroll in his first sermon uh, in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. All right, we covered that in the first beatitude. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And by the way, these are sad people too to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort, as parakaleo in the Septuagint, and the Hebrew is nacham, to comfort all who mourn. There it is, pentheo, in the Hebrew, havel. Um, so to comfort those who mourn and to provide for those who grieve, same word, pentheo in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness 
instead of mourning, there it is the third time, pentheo, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So he's linking despair and pentheo uh, uh, poetically. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So God, uh, Jesus is saying that he has come in order to, to transform the spirit of despair into a display of God's splendor. And you can't describe that. You can experience it, but it's above our pay grade. And I've experienced that. Not perfectly. That's heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven because uh, there will only be a display of his splendor. And the spirit of despair and loss and pinthining will finally be gone. Right? Not just coated over like we do with some drugs, but gone. So this beatitude reflects the very heart of the comforting God, the DNA of God. He sees people who are mourning, pinthining, and they can't break out of it, humanly speaking, and he alone has the power to rescue them from that. That's such great news for people who are there. And no judgment. If you're stuck there, I get it. It's not all your fault. I'll say a little bit more. So Jesus has purposely come to this unlikely place for the sad people, people who to one degree or another are in mourning. All of us, by the way, are in mourning compared to what we were designed to experience. Think Adam and Eve pre-fall. All of us are in Penthine to one degree or another. It's a spectrum. It just is. All creation groans, and we're caught up in that. We're not dancing like we could, and we're designed to. We will in heaven, and we will when Jesus' Spirit comes upon us and gives us that shot, but it won't last long, at least until heaven. Then it's eternal. So Jesus' rescue partly is to take us from our sorrow where he finds us and make us dance. And again, that's why we chose the name for our online gospel experience, The Dance, the-dance.org. Man, if, you're, if you aren't hearing the music, if you're not experiencing dancing, if you can't break out of sadness and depression, I know the last thing you want to do is to try anything. I'm begging you, though, try the dance. The satisfaction guaranteed is two hours. Uh, look, what can you lose? And you might actually smile. It, not per permanently yet, that's heaven, right? But wouldn't it be great to, to feel a little hope, a shot of hope? Yeah. All right. Um, so this is an encapsulation, this, uh, this beatitude of our salvation and ultimately heaven, where there will be no more tears or sorrow, Revelation says. And it starts in the presence of Jesus. Can't get it elsewhere. You just can't. Sad people in his presence and his embrace and his uh, in front of his face, sad people, depressed people, mourning people can begin to feel the sorrow lifted. And by the way, Luke will say something similar in his Beatitudes, his rendition, his remembrance of, of certain Beatitudes. Luke 6.21, blessed are you who hunger now for you will be satisfied. Here it is. Blessed are you who weep now for you will laugh. You will laugh. I know if... <laughs> Uh, look, I don't want to be tin-eared here. I, I don't want to be cruel. All I'm saying, don't don't shoot the messenger. If you're in depression, if you're in struggling with suicide ideation, it's, it's gonna your brain is just not going to believe this is possible, and it will feel cruel to you. I don't mean that. I get it. Um, I understand. Uh, your brain is is not the expert on that. Okay, so see, I'm begging you, just let this wash over you for a little bit. Don't push against it. I'm begging you. And, and Luke is using a different Greek word for weeping. It's not penthine, but it's, it's parallel. It's similar. God's salvation and his rescue in heaven are not about sadness. They're about joy and laughter and peace and gladness for we who've been beat up, we who've experienced great loss, we who've experienced great sorrow on this planet. Um, you know, think, thinking 
after the pandemic, so many losses, so many things to grieve, so, so many people are mourning. We have lost so much, and we can't just brush it aside. We can't just choose to, we're not that stoic. We're not machines. We can't just pick up and move forward. Um, our brain holds, holds on. Okay? And this is such good news for people. So many of us who are poignantly, chronically still experiencing that loss, can't shake it, suffering, injustice, racism, being chronically overlooked, underpaid, blamed. Um, those who are struggling with sin and still feel guilt. Hebrews 10 talks about, you know, all the offerings didn't remove this, this guilt, this remorse. And many people, it's so acute and they haven't found relief. Well, there is a place where relief, a little or a lot, can be found. And that's in the presence of Jesus and his spirit. Here's Bruner again. Quote, it is probably most important that we simply appreciate Jesus' awarding the kingdom's comfort to the deeply unhappy. If God comforts the mourning, as the passive promise here assures us God does, we may imagine how deeply and satisfyingly the mourning will be comforted and the comfort must be the very comfort of God's salvation itself, indeed, of God himself, close quote. That's absolutely right. Uh, Jesus's mission is to emphatically pursue, intentionally pursue the beat up, the lost, the stuck, the sad, the, and to lift them out of that, to rescue them, right? Permanently in heaven and a little bit by power here and now. Look, uh, hear me, stay with your doctor. If you're depressed, suicide, watch. If you're struggling with sadness, stay with your doctor, stay with your therapist, stay on prescription. But hear this, in heaven, you will not need Lexapro or Prozac or Luvox or Zoloft or Celexa or Ketamine. You just won't. Isn't that good news? You may hear, and, and again, stay with your doctor, stay with the therapist. But the spirit of Jesus now, experienced in power now, Look, here's my assumption, works in the very same brain areas because God created them and makes you feel less sad and makes you feel more happy. A little bit or a lot. That's what Jesus purchased, not permanently now, but permanently in heaven, the experience of it, right? Uh, and, and by the way, I'm going to suggest that when that happens, it is addictive because that's how our brain works, that that uh, dope cycle, right? Or um serotonin cycle, but it's in a good way. In the arms of Jesus, if you're in the arms, if you're experiencing the arms of Jesus, you're in the arms of Jesus if you're a Christian, but if you're experiencing it, no matter how stuck you are in sadness or depression or suicide ideation, you can feel a little happiness. You can, a little or a lot. I'm just saying. And how, I'm not saying fake it till you make it. I'm not saying you just choose and then stoically believe it whether you're experiencing it or not. No, 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 no. Ask God for power through the Spirit in your inner being so that you can begin to grasp. Now that's this, I'm, I'm kind of quoting Ephesians 4, uh, 3, 14 to 21, sorry. And by grasping, look, this power from God, not power from you, so the, the, the weight's off of your shoulders. This power of God has this ability to overwhelm your immediate powerful brain's sadness just for a moment. God made your brain. Um, and to begin to grasp the height and width and length and depth of the love of Christ for you as you are. And that can make you smile. And again, stay in the care of your doctor, in your care of your therapist, but also ask for a miracle, Tokoy in spirit. Right? If you can 
only chronically feel, because of where your brain is, sadness, if you can only chronically feel sadness, no judgment for me, by the way, no shaming for me, but to feel a shot of happiness every now and then, once a day, once a week, or once a month, wouldn't that be hopeful, right? I need that. I'm just saying, and just keep asking God for that power through the Holy Spirit in you. And that that's the key is to keep asking for that. Immerse yourself in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. <clears throat> I did a podcast on Ephesians 3, 14 and 21 a while back. Uh, check that out. In the arms of Jesus, listen, the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit can begin to feel some joy and some laughter. Uh, by the way, Psalm 34 says that, the brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. Listen, and here's my problem with a lot of commentary on the, the uh, Beatitudes. We risk way too much in the weeds theologizing about simple verses like 5, 4. It matters little if the sorrow is due to sin and you're feeling, you know, godly sorrow or remorse or sorrow for Israel and exile or sorrow for how one has been treated or abused or perhaps they've lost someone important. They're, they are all equally in a grief cycle that didn't exist before the fall. And they're stuck because that's how our brains are made to protect us from pain. God cares. That's the other truth here. God pursues those hurting people. Jesus is starting the process of consolation and relief, rescue, by even saying this verse aloud on planet Earth. So on that hillside, God started to uniquely reach down into the most pained of humanity that other people have rejected because they're so stuck. They're so uh, focused on their own pain. They can't break out of it, right? No judgment. I'm No shaming. I get it. That they're you know, you, you can't hold down a job. You can't do projects because you just get distracted, right? But God uniquely reaches down to them, pained humanity, distracted humanity, hurting, weeping humanity, and he prioritizes them, those who are stuck in mourning and depression. Um, think of an, another way. Jesus' heart is breaking for you if you can't stop crying, if you can't stop ruminating over your loss, if you can't see a way out, if you're stuck. And he's not looking down in judgment. He's looking out in love. And his solution, comfort and relationship that brings real consolation. He draws the hurting close and he comforts them. Per Beasley Murray, quote, It's the glory of God and of the king as his representative to care for the poor. And the God of Israel is intent on doing precisely that in history and in the New Age. The idea is typically expressed in the oracles of Isaiah 61, in which these beatitudes are rooted. The prophet declares the year of the Lord's release of all in bondage, a year of jubilee that will fulfill the promise of the kingdom. Jesus was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God to men and women gathered about him to hear the word of God, the poor broken people from whom no one cared except God, who prepared his kingdom for them. Close quote. Oh my goodness. One of the best quotes ever. All right, we're going to stop here. We've covered the first part of the second beatitude. Blessed or enviable are those who can't stop being sad, who can't stop crying, who can't stop looking back, who can't stop looking at the loss. No judgment, no shame. It's just the way you're made. It's not all your fault. But we're going to look at the second part of the Beatitude, this, this whole idea of Jesus's comfort for you. That's the hard part, right? Uh, it's easy to say, yep, that's me when I'm you know mourning, but comforted, um, all right, look, help us get the word out to who? 
to people who are sad, to people who are depressed, to people who are struggling with such depression they may even consider suicide. Those are the folks. Be, be their friends. Reach out to them. This is such great news. Uh, wouldn't it be something for you to be the missionary that helps them, Christians, see the gospel again? That's great service. And thank you ahead of time for your service. And listen, if you're struggling with depression, suicide ideation, chronic sadness, stay with your doctor, stay with your therapist, but I'm inviting you also to do the dance, www.the-dance.org. It's our online gospel experience or gospel in a box, under two hours. It's never been cheaper, only 29 bucks. Maybe it can, can be that island of respite, temporary respite for you. Stay with your doctor, your therapist, and your meds, but just come do the dance. Tell your doctor, tell your therapist. Sadness can keep you from hearing the celestial music. No judgment, you're not broken. It's just what the power of mourning and loss and sadness does in our midbrain. Okay, so check out the dance. And by the way, satisfaction is 100% guaranteed. Uh, So you got nothing to lose. Until next time, take heart, child of God. Hi, friend. Are you stressed? Maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too. Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.